0: Beach Sermons. Visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. You're at City Church of Long Beach, and it is super good to be with you here today. For our friends on Zoom, welcome. Uh, glad you guys are with us as well. So City Church, we're a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining Him in the renewal of all things. And we're glad to be on that journey together. You cannot do it alone. So um we at city church love to bless our kiddos and so our friend esther kim is going to come down if you'd welcome esther uh they are going to pray over our kiddos today um and uh so if there's a kid near you you can reach out and uh bless them or if it's appropriate to put a hand on their shoulder or something like that and we're gonna pray
1: if you would just pray with me god um I just want to thank you for for our kiddos and just the expansive emotions um, that they hold within them, God. I thank you um, and I hope and I just pray that they're able to feel your love um, through those who love around them. I just pray this in your name. Amen.
0: Amen. Kiddos, you can go with your fearless leaders if you would like. You don't have to, but you can. Otherwise, you can hang here. They're going to be heading outside for all sorts of shenanigans. And if.
1: shenanigans. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is a shenanigan? You know, I don't know what a shenanigan is. That's a great question.
1: I think they'll figure it out together.
0: I think, you're... I think it's outside, whatever it is.
1: I think the shenanigans will happen. Hey. Good morning, friends. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Brenna Rubio, and I'm the other co-pastor here at City Church of Long Beach. And yeah, really, really good to be here together this Sunday morning. It was it was a very different Sunday than last Sunday. I don't know if any of you remember it was Easter last Sunday. (laughs) That was fun. Um, But yeah, today's a little bit more the the mellow kind of usual feel. Here at city church and we're starting a new sermon series not a super long one it's going to be five weeks because recently uh, we had a gathering of folks all together dreaming a little bit about where city church was going and one of the things that came up is people said hey it would be really good to have a sermon series that was all about just kind of the big picture of the bible the big picture of faith what it is that we're we're doing here, especially, I think that comes from a couple of different places. There's there's a place where it's like because maybe you're newer to the faith journey, right? Maybe you didn't grow up in churches, uh, maybe you grew up in another uh, spiritual tradition altogether, and you're just like, I just I need something to sort of organize all the other pieces, right? I just need a big picture, so then we're talking about particular things, I can sort of fit it in and feel like I've got kind of that like beginner's overview. And that's that's a great reason to want to talk about these things. The other reason, I think kind of coming from a different place, so there's a sort of like, hey, I'm really fresh and new to this sort of place. Um, and the other is like, hey, I've been in church world a long time. And I kind of feel like I need to reclaim it. Because there's this sense of like, It's it's all gotten kind of twisted and messed up for me and the way that I learned it way back when isn't working for me anymore. And so I want to I want a fresh take on this whole picture and and how it all fits together everything that's been twisted and used against us man can we can we take it back, is there another way to understand this thing. And so both of those are incredibly valid reasons to want to come in and try to understand this this big picture. And so we're going to take it in a five-week journey, thinking of it as faith in five scenes. So these five big movements, the big story of God at work in the world, the big story where we have this opportunity to find our own story, that even though it's sort of the meta-narrative It's also often what's happening individually in our lives and collectively in our little communities and and it just kind of builds from there. So, our starting place this morning, scene one, beauty. This is often not the way the story is told. This is often not. The way the first scene that is presented to us so recently I actually went and I visited at another church uh, because someone who I loved and cared about had invited me and so I showed up out of care for the relationship. Um, and. And I went in really you know just very like I'm, I'm glad to be here, you know my my mind my heart i'm open. And within about five minutes into the sermon, I just had to be like, I can't. I can't. And
0: So you left? I left. Okay. Five minutes of true love.
1: It wasn't a bad church. It wasn't a bad preacher. It wasn't a bad person. But in the first five minutes it was the normal starting point of the story. Not, I would say, the accurate one, but the normal one in many churches. It started from this place of talking about our untrustworthy hearts and our twisted desires. And all the ways we see evidence of that in the world. And I just couldn't. And It's not actually that I don't think that, yeah, sometimes I do think our hearts lead us in not the best directions. Sometimes I do think our heads get a little tricky and we can convince ourselves of things that we actually know aren't true. I do think that. But I just don't think it makes a really great starting point for the story. I think the more accurate starting point for the story is our original goodness. These actually beautiful, wonderful, deep desires in our hearts that draw us toward the good, that are the things leading us forward into those healthy directions that, that often have been they've been buried under layers of lies and other crap <laughs> over the years. It's been twisted, it's been distorted, but, but that deep goodness is there to lead us forward. And I think that is where we want to start our story this morning, from a place of original beauty. So our friend Sochi is going to come up and read scripture for us this morning. Sochi, if you would come up. Oh, come in that way. And friends, if you'd like to, if you'd like to stand in, in honor of the reading of God's words, you are invited to do that.
2: God saw all that God
1: had made and it was very good genesis 131. people of god this is the word of god Woo! Boom. hey did you notice that reference Yeah, go ahead and have a seat it's the book of genesis i mean Ooh. talk about the starting point starting at the like beginning the very beginning
0: starting at the beginning how yes. do we miss that yeah, so here we are, right? At, at the very beginning of the story, right, is Genesis. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, it's the first book. Uh, we'll also spend a little bit of time in this series in the book of Revelation, uh, which is the last book, and we're going to kind of cover it all. You five weeks. Five weeks, <laughs> boom. <Yeah. laughs> just from here for the next five weeks, just sit right here. We'll just keep going. Um, it's the big picture. God creates things and in the in the Hebrew poetry that is Genesis chapter one it's there was morning there was evening the first day and God saw that it was good there was morning and evening this, you know the third day and God saw that it was good and it was morning and evening and and it's this, it's this poetic response that you get all the way through the creation story until that highlight that verse that we just read when God sees it all and says this is good and it's not just good it's very good one of the ways you could translate that is this is beautiful Mm. and i think god was writing about you right this is after the creation of the humankind god is is thinking like, oh my gosh, look at VJ, <laughs> look at VJ, oh my word, it's beautiful. <clears throat> you know, and Yvonne like, oh, have you seen Yvonne? You should take a look at Yvonne, this is very good. <laughs> it is, right? But it's so hard for us to get this, isn't it, right? It's so like, <laughs> oh my gosh, that Feels awkward. <clears throat> so awkward. When I was, so I read back over my old journals. I've been jour- journaling since last century. And uh, I read back over my er- old journals on the weekends. And I was reading back over a journal from 30 years ago. And I had this regular prayer. You know, I was a very ardent, young, you know, I, I would tell you what I thought. Um, And I would tell myself what I thought. And so I had this prayer, Lord, pulverize me. (laughs) And I would pray that God would disintegrate me because I was so wicked. Hmm. Because that's where I thought the story began. And no wonder it's awkward when you come up and you look at someone and you say, no, you are good. Good. You're beautiful. That's actually where the story starts. And for me, it was, it was about this, this, a lot of shaming, a lot of shooting. And, and also, it was, it was like a very small story. It was just my story, right? It was, it was, it was just me. But the creation story, God is speaking over it all we're not in it alone it's all very good lisa sharon harper in her fantastic book um the very good gospel she she writes this um and and she's talking about goodness and she's trying to under look at how the hebrew scriptures so like the book of genesis versus the greek scriptures and, and particularly some of the greek thinking that we see in the new testament and also which is we've really inherited uh, here in the west but this is what she writes she says the hebrew conception of goodness was different than the greeks the greeks located perfection within the object itself a thing or a perfect strove towards perfection but the hebrews understood goodness to be located between mm. things the goodness of the ties and relationships between things in creation that do you see how the, the the difference is so for me i was just praying about my own goodness and i was very bad and so i had to pulverize you know r- r- destroy me not recognizing two things one is underneath the 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 true Core of me, who God has made, God has pronounced very good, not very bad,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and beautiful. And so that's one of of, of the problems. But the second is, it was always just about just just little old me. Mm -hmm. And instead, there's this expansive picture of God's blessing, goodness, the shalom, Mm -hmm. peace that is is the very thing God created that is at the foundation mm-hmm. of the world and of our personal and communal identity. So Lisa Sharon Harper, she writes later in that book, she says, God created the world in a web of relationships that overflowed with forceful goodness. Mm. That's That's us. Mm. Mm. I love
1: that idea of the web. Like visually, it's like I start to play with it, and there's this sense of there's me, right? And, and often we use this picture when we're talking at City Church of an upside down triangle, and, and we're sort of at the center, right? In our own personal triangle. That's where it gets playful, right? Because, of course, everybody's in the center of their own little triangle. And then you picture all of that, and you're like, oh, I'm not at the center. Okay. But in the center of your own little triangle, there you are. And you have relationships with those who are close to you, your neighbors, your friends, your family. You have relationships with, you actually have relationships with people all the way around the world because your choices actually impact them. And we have a relationship with God. We have a relationship with all of nature. And what I wonder when I think about that, though, is can we have whole relationships with all of these other entities, if we we don't recognize that intrinsic goodness in who we are, that created beauty that we were were just given, can we be whole without bringing that wholeness in, um, without learning to experience it in those relationships? So yesterday I had a little time on my own, which is delightful. I love my alone time. Doesn't happen that much with four children. Um, But I had a little time on my own. And so I had this little project that I wanted to do. Because recently, I've been trying to lean into some kindness practices, um, which is a whole thing. I'd be happy to talk at way too long a length about. I'll restrain myself. But a kindness practice that I thought of that I really wanted, I thought would be really helpful to me, is that I wanted to hang a special picture up inside my closet. there are a couple of reasons. Um, One of the reasons why it needed to be inside my closet is that this particular picture, well, I have some young children, and um, we don't cuss that much around them, you know, just to be appropriate, right? And this picture I I thought might confuse my children a bit. So I thought it should should go inside my closet, where they wouldn't see it quite as readily. And we actually don't cuss that often in this environment, so I'm going to be a little euphemistic. But here is a wonderful picture that I hung inside my closet. Some of you may have seen it. It's naked pastor, David Hayward, does these awesome cartoons. And so it's a picture of Jesus behind a woman with dark, curly hair. And his hands are in that curly hair. And he's saying, I bless the fierce awesome creature who you are there's a (laughs) euphemism there i bless you and i wanted that picture in my closet where i would see it every morning as i came to get dressed as for a few different reasons one is from way back a couple decades ago when i was in college where i realized that I have a tendency towards very disordered eating, I have this tendency to want to control my world and and my own inner sense of badness by how I control my food and my body and and that affects sometimes how I feel as I get dressed in the morning. Tends not to be super active for me at this point in my life, but but it's there and it actually taught me so many wonderful lessons like. Back then, I mean, I think it was part of my religious upbringing to have to go, like, to actually embrace, like, no, I've got a good body. All bodies are good bodies, right? This is how I was created. I was given flesh, and that wasn't a bad thing. And it's a good body, whatever it's looking like in clothes today. And if it looks bad, it's the clothes problem. It's not my problem. (laughs) I bless who you are. And I need to come in because a few years ago, before I realized how autistic my family and I are, I remember having this moment in therapy where I was just like, I can't believe I'm talking about with my therapist, but this is what's in my mind. I'm like, I don't know how to dress myself. And now I have more understanding of where some of that stress was coming from. I was like, yeah, I would have said at the time, not going, oh, that sounds very autistic. Um, There are these codes out there that other people seem to get and I don't get And so to come to my closet and say, maybe there's no right way to dress, just like all bodies are good bodies. Maybe the clothes that I like are actually... So here's why I bring it here in this, this message, because all of these things, all of these issues that I bring to my closet every morning is I'm just trying to put something on my body they're all about these these standards that are out there, the sense of that's what good looks like, that's what good acts like, that's what what how good succeeds. Right, and we all have them, you may not have eating disorders, you may not be autistic right, but there are things in your head that you think this is what a good person does, this is what a successful person does. And I have to move myself in that direction somehow white knuckle it this is what a moral person does a righteous person the ideal person whoever that is in your head and what if it's actually more about starting from a point of who are you who am i what is the goodness that is just baked into me and it doesn't actually have to look that much like All the other people around me, right? But there's just, there's Jesus behind you, hands in your hair or over whatever other part it is of you that you have tended to shame, that others have tended to shame. Jesus saying, I bless the fill in the blank that you are. There's a verse some of you may have heard before. and it gets, it gets used in all sorts of situations, but, but put it into this context. I praise you, God, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. It's the King David writing a psalm. And as he says these words, when he says, I know your works are wonderful, I know it full well, it's not because he's looking up at an amazing, beautiful sky. It's not because he's looking at an amazing ocean something, you know, out there, right? He's like, looking at himself. He's saying, yeah, this skin, this flesh, this cellulite. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Man, that's that's amazing bridget eileen rivera writes this each of us carries an imprint of divinity this is what it means to be the image of god it also means that self-discovery is a sacred pursuit i think my current season i would also add in self-kindness the more we come to know our true selves the more we come to know our god what if you some people get embarrassed thinking about the good things in them, like to compliment themselves, is like, oh, that's not humble. What if you think of it as instead, the things that you celebrate about yourself are ways that you are imaging God. It actually leads you to celebrate your creator, right? The good things in you reflect a good God who loves you so much. And even beyond that, I think what I love is that If I don't, if I'm not honest about who I am and all my quirks, the world's missing a unique way that God can be imaged, right? Without each of us bringing who we are, the full image of God doesn't actually get displayed. I need to know that some days.
0: So good. So good. there are probably a bunch of you right now. I can just be sure to be done with the rest of the sermon <laughs> and just, like, sit with that, right? That's fine. Um, there's, this, there's this phrase that gets used in the New Testament that is echoing this sense of God's creation in us, the sense that we are good, that God made us beautiful. And... Um, It's this phrase that the Apostle Paul coins, and it's this phrase, in Christ. It's important to understand, he uses it 87 different times. Okay, so, I mean, it is sort of his big idea, like the kingdom of God was Jesus' big idea. Being in Christ is Paul's big idea. And the idea is that because what has happened in Christ because Christ came and, and loved us and, and demonstrated God's love all the way to a cross to say I I am unwilling to be without you that now we are we are in Christ and in Christ all that is in Christ is now in us and it's this echo of original creation it, it's a reminder like remember that very good stuff that's still the case, and even more so now in Christ. And so there's this there's this verse that that I love um, from the, the gospel. It's in all the gospels, but in the gospel of Mark, we'll look at this one, verse 11, where it says, a voice came from heaven, said, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. This is father god speaking to jesus at the baptism saying you're my son whom i love with you i'm well pleased and the key point here is according to all the theology that gets built on top of the gospels is that we now are in christ so when god speaks over christ guess who god's speaking over you me us. We're in Christ. And so God is saying, you are my daughter. You are my child. You are my son. I love you. I'm so pleased with you. Right now, right as you are, this is our truest, deepest identity. And we're not going to unpack what it means to be in Christ, this, that, and the other. But uh, Brenna is going to grab a plant for me. Um, just three quick images of what it means. This idea of being in Christ. It, it, we talk about it, it. Talks about being rooted in Christ. Look at that. That is a beautiful little tree, isn't that? I
1: mean, that just
0: so cute.
1: It's a ponytail palm. It's so cute. Yes,
0: yes. Look at that hair. That's amazing. <laughs> um, but this is rooted. Right? That's one of the common phrases that we're rooted in Christ. That's how we grow and beautify and become all of who we are. Right? In Christ. Uh, another picture that echoes back to Lisa Sharon Harper. Am I holding this still? Uh, I don't know. What, whatever okay. you want. <laughs> yeah. You can. Um, remember, it's not just individual. It's part of a corporate picture. So imagine you've been working. We, we do this. Uh, Katie likes uh, puzzles. Right? Like a thousand piece puzzles. And what is it like when you're missing that piece, right? <laughs> just kills you, right? Because the truth is, the whole goodness, you, you want it all, right? And so, I brought that piece that you've been looking for. <laughs> My friends on Zoom, is, is this the one? Yeah, yeah. Here it is, hon. Um, but you are the puzzle piece and you fit in, and there's no other puzzle piece like you. You can't try to force in the others, and the whole thing is not complete, right? It's, it's The goodness is about these relationships, how we connect. And then finally, a, a deeply theological photograph uh, that was taken at Easter, High Holiday. <laughs> so that's the Diaz family, and And they're all in in costume and and jojo is eight feet tall um, but jojo's inside there and so when you come up as many of us did and said this is the cutest family ever right you're saying it it's sort of through the costume into jojo and and to kai right and to finn and to mia and they're like yeah (laughs) Yeah, we kind of are right but that's they're in christ jojo's in there right (laughs) but that's you that's that's the picture is that we're rooted and we're a piece a unique piece of the puzzle and that we're we're inside of christ so to speak and i mean there are dozens more of these images but it's like the goodness hasn't gone away and in christ that's why God sent Christ, so that you would know how beloved you are. And I would too. And I want to end with just a, just a, one short quote from Laura Jean Truman, um, super insightful. They, they write this as a prayer. Grant us the humility of a decentered but beloved self Mm. hmm that's right there it is right it's not all about me oh but I'm so beloved
1: (laughs) Mm, The both and well we wanted to give you a chance to hear from another voice around City Church just how some of these things have been working in her lives and so would you welcome up our friend Liz Roy with me right (laughs) now Liz is gonna share a bit Thank you, Liz. So I've gotten to know you a little bit through our Thursday Questions with Friends group over the last six weeks or so, but tell everybody a little bit, like, how did you end up at City Church?
2: (laughs) Oh, right. Yeah. That's a fun story, but I'm going to try to keep it brief. Thank you. You. Um, Okay. So I moved to Long Beach about a year ago. Mm -hmm. and i've been searching for a new spiritual home for uh, before i moved here Um, but it became of like renewed importance once i moved to long beach i got baptized as an adult into the church of christ and had like a beautiful church home on the east coast Mm -hmm, where i was mm -hmm. at the time and then i came back to la and just really struggled to find that same community where i felt like love and respected here and then also i started to have some concerns about The kind of core teachings of that fellowship. (laughs) So, all of that kind of came with me to Long Beach. And I tried to go to some other churches, but some really wild things happened (sighs) that just kind of like destroyed my faith. For example, um, I won't name the church, but the kind of lead pastor at the time um, spoke very candidly about race. He was a black pastor at this church, he spoke very candidly about race and how much it hurt him that there are white Christians who. um, Make him feel less than and make him feel small because of the color of his skin and these are fellow Christians like not just like in a generic sense, but like in the fellowship. Mm -hmm. That message wasn't received well by some as you could imagine, and the next time I went to that church, he was exited and I was like okay. I don't feel safe here and yeah I was was pretty distraught Um, and then I just I literally was so desperate, I started googling (laughs) churches (laughs) near my home and I started reading through their values and principles on the website. And I saw the city church website, I was like okay this feels like the place this feels like it's it radically inclusive like that's exactly what i'm searching for that was like a phrase that jumped out to you absolutely yeah yeah
1: (laughs) what you were looking for absolutely so i gotta say that story i mean about your the church that you went to i i remember when you told me that story the first time and i was so shocked and i was like how
2: can i be shocked i know this happens right i know um and yet it is still you still hope that it doesn't it won't happen in christian spaces you just hope that we will And I can just embody love and inclusion more, but and I can just imagine like you probably resonated when he was speaking, right? I did, I did. And so feel like, yes, it's crying. I was crying in that service. And I was like, this is it, this is the church I've been looking for. And then he was gone. And I go like, well, if you didn't want him, then Exactly. (laughs) Hmm.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So when you think about like your spiritual background, whether as a kid or as an adult, as you were um, getting baptized Mm -hmm. for the first time, these other churches, like Mm -hmm. where did the story start in those places? Did it start from beauty? Mm -hmm. Did it emphasize that? Or did it start more from that, your untrustworthy heart sort of place? Yeah.
2: (sighs) Definitely. the The latter yeah. was more emphasized. Beauty kind of felt like a off limits topic because we tend to revere like outward beauty and tend to focus too much on outward uh. beauty. So they were trying to like kind of counteract that and focus on how the only goodness that we have within us is what we get from god Mm -hmm. um but without god and there was a lot of like talking about what happens when you are apart from god um there's a lot of evil Mm -hmm. (laughs) within and i am i already kind of carried with me a lot of self-hatred internalized Mm anti-blackness and a lot of just heavy stuff um, because i didn't have a relationship with god you know, in my youth and even as like a young adult. So I already kind of came crawling into the church feeling like an absolutely despondent, useless human being. And so, yeah, (laughs) yeah, to hear those messages like repeated, I really felt like I'm not at my core a good person. (laughs) Isn't that interesting how that works? Because we bring into the church the messages we've
1: already gotten, Mm -hmm. right? And so there's a sense in which it's like, we might have the sense of like, oh, like you're, it sort of hooks us a little bit, right? Because yes. it's like we sort of already are predisposed to believe it, totally. but they're offering us a way out if we just exactly.
2: follow exactly. X, follow. Y, Z. Exactly. <laughs> yeah,
1: we can fix our problem.
2: Right. Well, right. Maybe. Right. Maybe. We hope. Right. Yeah.
1: So these days, mm-hmm. when you look in the mirror,
2: what do you see? oh what's that what's that experience like for you yeah oh man this has been a journey to like today when I looked at myself in the mirror I honestly like I I love who I am now and who I'm who God is kind of shaping me to Mm -hmm. be um, inwardly but then outwardly like I also just love how I look now I, I used to absolutely hate I used to hate looking at myself in the mirror for many reasons, but the color of my skin was huge I felt like I was condemned. (laughs) God Mm -hmm. created me as like this condemned person whom the world just hates because of the color of my skin and if the world hates me then. There must be reasons why this is younger like I internalized a lot, a lot of anti blackness and you know, in addition to the color of my skin like I also have very sensitive skin I struggled with acne for a long time like if I don't even use the right detergent like my skin breaks out like it's just sensitive so yeah yeah I used to carry a lot of shame around like my skin the color the texture etc um but now God's done a lot of work in me
0: <laughs> and
2: now I look in the mirror and I'm just like I feel so blessed to have the skin that I do have imperfections and all it's never going to be perfect but it's just as God intended it to be. <laughs> I know it's probably a
1: big question, but if you were just to pick out one or two things that were helpful for you in that journey from not loving the skin you're in to loving it, what might you share?
2: Oh, boy, that is such a big question. (laughs) Uh, Here, bring it up a little. Okay. I have to think for a minute, my goodness.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Honestly, I don't know how to answer this question without also bringing in another piece of my life and identity. Um, I've I've struggled with addiction for many years Mm -hmm. as well, Um, I particularly with alcohol I used to drink because it gave me the courage and the esteem that I didn't have within. And then I relied on that for many years. Instead of um, relying upon God, I was relying on alcohol to help me Mm -hmm. present myself as a person that I thought the world wanted me to be. And in doing the work to stay sober and really focusing on cultivating those spiritual qualities Mm -hmm. that I value over the external qualities that I think other people want me to exhibit, Mm -hmm. that has made a tremendous difference in my life and it's helped me kind of rediscover the inward beauty that God created me with and that has led to me just accepting myself as I am and seeing myself truly as beautiful, Um, flawed, (laughs) but beautiful. (laughs) Flaws don't actually take away from the beauty. Exactly. Right. Right. No, it's a part of the character, builds character.
1: (laughs) Oh, thanks for sharing that. I really appreciate it. We have started giving an opportunity to let the people we invite up. Ask us a question if they'd like to. Do you have a question for me?
2: (laughs) Of course I do. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you love that little wiggle? (laughs) I know. (laughs) Bill's like, I'm I'm going down. (laughs) Um, I would, I mean, this, it's kind of a bizarre question because I don't have kids myself, but I have so much respect for parents and I'm always curious, like, how do you teach the concept of beauty to your kids from like a balanced Christ first perspective? Where yeah. You're, like, looking inward, but not vilifying the outward either.
1: Yeah. Such a good <laughs> question. <laughs> right? Man. And, you know, obviously I. I shared right like that I, I I'm bringing into my parenting some real which I think I think most of us personally soapbox right, but I think we're pretty eating disordered culture in general, but um, so a lot of us struggle with this to, to have a healthy relationship with food and with our bodies and um, but I definitely was really aware of that in my parenting. Um, so much so, so I remember there was um, one of my children in particular, really, uh, and again, so all these things being connected right realizing later this is, this is one of my children who has autism as well. They struggled early on, like they didn't have an off switch with eating. And from my own work, you know, to kind of come to a more intuitive and imbalanced in healthy place with food, like, I really believe that most of us like have like our body knows what it needs that we can actually trust ourselves with food this is like the work that you had to do with addiction like i I had to do a lot of work to like get to sort of like trusting on the inside place um but with this child i could see something there wasn't working right and so i remember going on this journey of like trying to help teach my like three or four year old um to listen to their body to like not shame it because it really wasn't about like the weight or anything like that it was more just this like as a parent going like. I can see that my child like there's there's something I didn't have the autism word yet but there's something not quite there and so me like wow you know I see you starting to slow down. I wonder if your tummy might want to break you know I wonder if your tummy's getting satisfied, I wonder, but having so I guess I share that story like in the sense of a lot of it, I think, for me, is my own journey was about learning that sort of like trusting my body and the internal work right and so wanting to gift that to my children of like i don't want to shame you for eating i want to teach you to trust your body and notice when you've had too much sugar and it doesn't actually feel good right and notice like you ran five miles today of course you're hungry like go for that third serving right like you got to fuel that awesome Right? Like, so I think that sense of, yeah, the internal first versus like living your life for other people and how they perceive you. Right? And what, because once you fix the inside, I feel like the outside takes care of itself.
2: Amen.
0: Amen.
1: Okay. Thank you so much for coming up well, i appreciate it this is so brave ah you guys tell the best stories um and you each have your own story and i hope you actually find someone maybe it's after service you know or you're having some more snacks and coffee go out to lunch with someone but yeah what was the first scene what were you taught the first scene of the story was was it beauty or brokenness And how is that affecting who you see in the mirror these days, how do we get back to that place of knowing how beloved we are our friend Lewis Thaxton is going to come up and pray for us.